I've never been paranoid. Fear plays a large part in family life. I feel like something's gonna happen. And if I scratch the surface, there'll be something terrible underneath. He's afraid his sister. Could you zip me up, Billy? Is not what she seems. God, Bill, what's the matter with you? He thinks his friends are out to get him. You make waves, Whitney, you're gonna drown. People are what they are. Now you have to learn to accept that. He's about to find out the truth. <laughs> so why, why are you guys doing this to me, huh? What, you've been living with these people all your life and you didn't know anything about this? Is far worse than he could ever imagine. If you don't follow the rules, Billy, bad things happen. Didn't you know, Billy boy? The rich have all sucked off low-class scum like you. Uh-oh, guy. Clarissa? Don't be so intense. Now, some people make the rules, and some people follow the rules. It's a question of what you're born to. You never were one of us. You know, you really deserve what's gonna happen to you. I, I don't think so. Wait. Can't you see they're setting you up for something? You know how I hate to give you drugs. You're officially dead. Don't go home, Billy. No, 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 no! Bill Whitney is about to become one... Showtime, Billy! ...with society. <laughs> Who are you? Let me give you a hand, Bill. <laughs> In Beverly Hills, what you fear is only the beginning. Anything for society. <laughs>Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning chasm of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration, or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh... 
Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment! Virginia, summon the subject! Canapé? Uh, sure. Champagne? Okay. Virginia? Did you see the film? Yes. So, <laughs> report! Well, <laughs> I see, I had low expectations for all but the end of this movie because I've seen like large chunks of the last set piece of this movie like cut out on YouTube before yeah, just from people posting it going what the hell is this movie and thought to myself oh that must when I saw that I was like that, that must be the film's budget right there Right, and I just saw all the all the meat and potatoes for this movie, and yeah. the rest of it was probably sizzle leading up to it. But oh my god, I was wrong, wrong, wrong again. It's it's like two different films almost. That first ha at first two thirds almost act as a kind of like a paranoid a paranoid thriller mm -hmm. that, that that speaks to the, the sometimes very real feel feeling that people have that they don't belong in their family and then it becomes weird yeah i i, I think one of my notes was it, 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 it it's it's right about the 25 minute mark that it just you know that's when it goes crazy mm. and all I kept thinking while I was watching this was how the hell did I, especially during the time period when this came out, how did I miss this movie? How did I not, not hear about it? Not, you know, at well, least it was released as a midnight movie. It was originally just, we should go into the production. Um, Brian Yunza made this in 1989, but couldn't get a release here in the States until 1992 as part of his, uh, what was the name of the production company? Uh, he made a deal with this production company that he, he would do Bride of Reanimator if they let him do Society. That sounds this like was... a great deal. <laughs> you know? For everybody. Yeah. So he got to... This was like a real passion project for him. And apparently, the surrealness of the end... We should mention, people, there are going to be spoilers. Yeah, it's, and it's impossible to talk about this film without talking about the big twist. And if you go looking on YouTube, the whole movie's on YouTube. You could go yeah. watch it on YouTube. So I, yeah, I would definitely advise watching this movie first if you really wanted, if you want to really enjoy it. Because yeah, the spoilers are big spoilers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, 
originally it was just a cult that was sacrificing people. But Yunza saw something else in it and uh, developed the idea that of this of this uh, of uh, of the upper class being this other beings, these kind of Lovecraftian things. That was the right decision. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. That that I mean, that is what. Well, one of several things that just yeah that put this over the top into creative. I, what a double feature this would have made. I'm trying to think of what year They Live came out, but this and They Live together as a double feature would mm-hmm. have made my, made my <laughs> day in those, it, 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 during that time period. They're just, they're both perfect. Although this one's way more, well, this one's more of a horror movie. Yeah. Than, than, than They Live. But, um, this this one's a, a lot more off kilter because it's it's for for one it's strange that the protagonist is one is you know even though he's sort of off to the side but mm-hmm. that that he's the protagonist usually it's it's the rich kid versus a poor kid but he's just another right. rich kid you know struggling within the the pecking order of the the rich Right. So he's a strange protagonist. He's a perfect like late '80s. Like this is sort of like almost like last gasp of '80s practical effects style movies, where he's got that mullet, uh, the permed mullet, and the over the just sort of overwrought, sweaty teen Mm -hmm. style of acting that was that was huge, especially in '80s paranoid movies. Well, this is this is straight nine oh two one oh shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, that mullet. Oh. <laughs> now, now you. Met... I was more surprised by, like I said, I hadn't seen this in a long time. Um, I saw this when it first came out on video in the '90s, and I don't think I've I, I picked it up again until recently. And I had forgot about how. Um... <laughs> Interesting that the uh, basketball costumes were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a. We seem to forget people used to dress like that for basketball. People. Yes. And and that's that's it's jarring because I remember that, but part of my brain's been tr- probably trying not to remember that. Yeah, we've been. The, the whole long shorts and thing has been over has overwritten what used to be what used to be just standard shorts and it's just like oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> those, those were different times yeah there's 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 a lot of that, that i mean there's so much going on with this movie just you know you've got the layer of it being that that 80s style but man, this this guy crammed every idea mm-hmm. into it, and you've got the the, the main storyline going on, but then you've got things like um, the the character of uh, um, mom, the the mom, yeah. the, the sort of lobotomized zombie mom. Oh, that mom I don't that know probably where should that have been played from. by Divine if you really wanted to go <laughs> over the top. But just you know, all of a sudden that started happening in the movie. Uh, who's obsessed with hair? Yeah, and and it's just like okay, what? <laughs> and you never. Pamela tr- Matheson was the woman who played uh, 
Claris's mom, in case you're wondering. <laughs> well, she she did a masterful job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like... She channeled Tor Johnson, it seemed like, yeah, almost. I, I was like, what is a glow wrestler doing in here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my one of my first notes on this is... Uh, I, I just... It just says uh, Troman Polanski. It, se <laughs> it seems like Roman Polanski made a trauma movie, basically. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pure fun and trash, sort of. Um, I, it, but at the same time, it's got a good. It's it's almost high satire, you know. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it it it, it solved it, it definitely. De falls into the definition of what I call satire which is that if you took out all the jokey elements there would still be a movie oh yeah 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 it plays still it would play still has a movie and and to be honest I think when they go totally farcical during the the, la the, the last party scene I think that um, the jokey elements kind of inhibit the sense of weirdness I think Yuzna was trying to achieve yeah, they almost um, maybe they were maybe it was trying to go a little more in the the Nightmare on Elm Street sort mm -hmm. of direction of you know couple coupling uh, a nice catchphrase line with yeah with a, a an effect and and a creative piece of gore, but um, well, like there's one particular scene involving I think it's the the uh, the psychiatrist. Which is just, I mean, where he, he says the line, you want a hand? Yeah, yeah. That's oh, just silly. He's, he's, he gets all the silly lines, too. Yeah. He's, he, when, when, uh, but I guess, I guess that makes sense. I guess the, the, like, the, the psychiatrist would probably be the one who would let his hair down the most, you know, yeah. when, when they got, when they got into the, got into the shunting groove. Mm-hmm. But, um. It, sometimes the humor in it I thought hit and other times it was uh, you know sometimes it just felt shoved in but I think in that last sequence the humor in it sort of it adds a layer to it because when when all is said and done you know in, in a movie like this usually the a movie like this would end with the kid doing something that blew the whole place up and yeah, driving away. They just drive away. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's it's a kind of a it's not a, the the kind of ending we would have now if this this film was made now. No. Well, for one for one thing, it'd be all digital effects, and it would not be as as just weirdly cool as. Can we can we shout out Screaming Mad George here? I mean, the thing about this is, what is doing it with practical effects makes it that much more obscene. It, it, you it's know, more visceral. Yeah, the stuff is the stuff is real. When you see someone's lips melded into somebody and they're pulling it out, it's a you know it's a real actor with the foam and stuff. Mm -hmm. So the way they're moving and stuff is is keyed in physically with the you know their stretchy <laughs> their stretchy parts, and yeah. uh, it works really good because on top of all that, it's a it's a well they're not aliens. But it's an mm -hmm. alien process to the viewer, so mm -hmm. all you have. And, to... he, and I think Yunza was very uh, Yunza. I keep calling him Yunza sometimes. I, I get the Z in the. 
Yuzna very wisely decided not to use blood right. during those sequences because I think it just emphasizes that these are not us. Yeah. Oh, and it's and it, it, they do a lot of. I mean, a lot of stuff is on the nose in this, but then yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's that you you have to you have to think about or you start picking up later on and not having blood is is mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of things that they do in the shunting process where you know somebody should be dead shouldn't still be screaming yeah. while it's going on so you you know you realize there's something worse than just being killed by having your body ripped apart it's yeah. more like you're sort of getting absorbed and and sucked in and you're aware of the process till they just have have drained you dry. dissolved your entire yeah yeah and that's even creepier and since it's such a alien process to us they can just go like oh let's just put a layer of slime over everything like <laughs> mucus like slime which, yeah this is a very messy movie <laughs> right but that also makes the stuff look less like foam rubber or latex or anything mm -hmm. like that it looks more like you know body parts it, it, right then you have the real actors who are also slimed down and it just starts getting really 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 creepy and they weren't afraid to to just not to go just very explicit with the creepy factor of it as far as like Mm -hmm. Oh, here's the creepy old judge is going to have sex with all the young girls who are having yeah. sex with their parents. And it's, <laughs> that that sort of stuff is usually hinted at in these movies. You know, you have a weird. Well, that's part of the horror, I think, that, that and the paranoia of the film, which is that all these things that you think might have happened, happen. Yeah, they happen exactly. Yeah, they're not they're, they're not even just a dream or like a misinterpretation. You've got it exactly on the nose mm -hmm. what's what's going on. It's I mean, this this movie is I mean, there's the one scene it's like midway through where um what is his character's name because I forget. Billy? Uh Bill. Well, yeah, Bill Billy Warlock is the actor's name. Uh, stumbles in on his family and they're all kind of lounging around in their pajamas. Yeah, but it's in a not way even that pajamas are the pajamas yeah. are kind of negligee like and yeah. and dad's like in his wife beater giving mm -hmm. the daughter a it, shoulder rub. A shoulder rub, yeah. We all and know it's about just, shoulder rubs. Yeah, and it's just you're what you're you're wondering what the hell is going on. And I, I think it's very telling that the first time we see the daughter, she's she's like trying on her lingerie for the for the big coming out party. And did you notice on her desk is like the most bizarre, creepy sculpture of <laughs> basically it sort of reminds me of that internet meme of the picture of the guy with his head up his ass. Mm -hmm. But upside down, it's like a you know a metal sculpture of somebody that looks like their 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 body is bent over backwards and their heads going up their butt, which mm -hmm. is just like not the usually he, not. The, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> he's telling you right up front. Yeah, it's you. I mean, it's not pages out of Teen Beat magazine up on the wall. It, this is this is a teenage girl and she's got this weird you know creepy 
sort of idols stuck on her on her on her desk. So yeah, it it's it's not subtle with letting you know stuff early on, which is great because then you're expecting the twist of what's really going on. You know, Billy could be insane. You you know probably yeah. in a movie like this Billy's not going to be insane. Well, I think that that and I, I there are days when I think maybe doing that that sequence very early on in the shower mm -hmm. where he's watching through the the pebbled glass and the thing and, and uh, his sister seems to twist in the wrong way if that was if that was needed or not because I think from that moment on we know there is something very very wrong going on in this household so that when uh, the, the 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 cassette tapes and there's something you don't see any anywhere anymore. Right. Um, when the the cassette tape is shown to to do something to say something other than what Billy heard, we know that it was messed with. Whereas if maybe if we didn't have that scene early on, right, right, we would be wondering. Was he imagining this bullshit? Was this like a shared psychosis between him and uh, the what? The, the, the yeah, the other the other kids. The the, the ex boyfriend. The, right. The 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 sort of blonde haired mm -hmm. puffy kid. Yeah. Puffy <laughs> so, kid. Well, it's that's why this reminds me of like um, well, I guess Polanski and Ira mm -hmm. Levin, but it, it reminds me a lot of Rosemary's Baby of just you know what what is this paranoia paranoia going on and but at the same time you're seeing a lot of like all right he sees one thing but then you see okay maybe that's not what he would what he saw so you, you you're part of you is thinking well you know a lot of times movies do that as a metaphor so right. something's wrong and this is giving us hints as to what's wrong because it's in billy's subconscious and stuff when in fact no it's just a hundred percent right his family is just mm -hmm. gaslighting the hell out of him because they're gonna <laughs> eat him soon and they don't care and, right. and actually you know psychologically you might as well distance yourself a little bit from your food before yeah <laughs> you oh eat him. <laughs> that's billy was their pet yes for for 17 years he was their pet but he's a delicious pet so yes yeah <laughs> Well, that's that's another thing I liked about the humor in this is, and and the ending where they just they they just go away. They don't blow up everybody, and the mm -hmm. last line is a joke. You know, is mm -hmm. and and it's a and it's one of the one of the um, you know society creatures joke at the expense of another one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's of one of their own, and. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to find another intern after all. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they don't give a shit because that's 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 why I like the humor in it and the you know the fact that yeah oh did Billy run away? Uh, well, whatever you know, because they're basically they're like well, you know, a, nobody knows our secret, but we really don't care because we'll just eat anybody. Yeah, <laughs> and right. we also have enough power that we you know. Anybody who's going to try to expose this is going to come out looking crazy, or we can just right, we could just shunt them in their cell or something. So they just they don't care, you know. Oh, Billy got away. 
although you know he he got away with an, another one of them so i yeah, exactly. guess you could go on to tv you could have an end up what was that was that the original howling or howling 2 where yeah. d snyder turns howling d snyder yeah <laughs> where d snyder turns into a werewolf um d wallace <laughs> yeah d snyder Not, turning into a werewolf be wouldn't too. be that would be good too but it wouldn't be that far of a change <laughs> especially during the 80s but um it's the, the thing that I, I think that Yuzna is very good at keeping the the weird the weirdness easily proportioned. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think some of some of my my favorite moments are the moments with Clarissa, where we're seeing something that just doesn't quite look right, and our mind, but our mind is trying to coalesce it. Well, her character is so strange because they start her out to be the femme fatale, yeah, in the whole thing. And she's acting every bit the femme fatale, mm-hmm. too, until they get involved. And then she's the nice girlfriend, the sympathetic yeah. girlfriend in the movie. Well, with... she's a waste. She's she's wasted in this film. Yeah. Devin it, DeVasquez. It, it, her, her character is just sort of sho- shoved in there and then not is developed in two different ways that don't mm-hmm. make any sense, you know. I mean, it would have made sense if she was... If she was there to subvert him or to ultimately trap him, but I guess you know, obviously the arc was, oh well, you know, maybe she was she was all into eating Billy too, but then she fell yeah. in love with him and he befriended her mother and very that's a very eighties ish sort of teenage love story in there. But by the way, the rest of the movie was going, you just wouldn't figure that would be the case but apparently it was yeah when she says i love you during that la- that crazy last half hour it doesn't feel earned no no it sounds like that's that usually the way that that she said that usually seems like the scene in the movie where the woman's just betrayed the the hero like 50 yeah. times in the movie and then he's about to you know or she's She's about to fall off the cliff and needs a hand. Right. And he's not going to offer to it. But she goes, but I love you. And he goes, I'm not buying it, baby. Ah. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I wasn't buying it. But I wasn't buying much about her character. As a matter of fact, no. I didn't know what they were selling. So it was that was the, <laughs> the only really sort of weak point in the movie. I mean, I was just expecting the first three quarters of this movie to be sort of spinning wheels, you know, with right. some some good scenes in it, but boy, it it cranks it up and it never gets boring. Never, never. It was just fun. it was fun to watch it as just a piece of 80s filmmaking that I've never that I should have seen that I never have mm-hmm. seen before. So it's it's like seeing like Reanimator for the first time or something. Right. It's actually probably more like seeing From Beyond for the first time, but Yeah. But uh, it's 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 close to reanimator quality as far as just it's casting all care the best to win. thing that Yuzna has ever done. You know he he's done many films since since this one, but none of them have been quite so sustained. Well, this seemed like something. This did seem like a, a passion project. This seemed yeah. like something that you know, and it had that I bet it had that I better put everything in the kitchen sink 
that I thought of with this movie in this because I might not ever get a another chance. See, when, when something like that, and this is something that I've, I've discussed with some with some people about Rob Zombie's first film, The House of a Thousand Corpses, mm-hmm. which is the same sort, which has the same sort of everything but the kitchen sink sort of thing. I think that's an impulse of first time directors, and a lot usually what you get out of it is a mess this is much more controlled it's much more it's very focused yeah it's it's a much better movie than you would ex- i was expecting more trauma trauma quality yeah. and uh this had a lot more and i guess uh, even well even even in the the cutting and the filming of it it was higher quality but yeah they really spent put some care into the script in this and it shows and and you know the acting isn't especially like really 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 great in it but it's but it's exactly what it needs to be as far as you know what the characters are a lot of you know a lot of the mm-hmm. the, the the rich people are are basic um stereotypes you know you've got yeah. the sort of chat chad like you know jocks and the, the the judge with his cigar and stuff yeah and those are just like, especially in the '80s, you know, you just throw an actor the the role of like, you know, you could just pull an. If you were the actor, all you had to really do to prep is go watch Caddyshack and be yeah. like, "All right, I got it," and and you would be fine. It would be pitch perfect for this movie. So they, you know, somebody sat down and wrote a good script, and then thought about what they had to do to make the movie the, the come out the best that they could with the budget they were doing and every everything was thought out really well and and it showed and you'd rarely see low budget movies with that kind of of care put into them and i wonder did did it do well when it came out i have a feeling it did it. well in europe okay it did well in europe apparently it got a uh it was very well accepted there and keep in mind there's there's a four-year gap between it being made and it finally yeah. making making it here in the united states that's that's what i'm saying by by 1992 you know movies were starting to be a little different and like something that was 80s style i remember people would be just like oh my god <laughs> you know yeah it's, it's another 80s style movie still well i say that a lot today um <laughs> But uh, the the thing it, it was not received well here in the states when it came out. It had almost universally bad reviews. And I think part of it people focused so much on that last half hour they didn't realize how good the first hour is. I don't understand how even especially by ninety two, critics hadn't gotten it yet. Like there was a point like where you know I remember when the thing came out and Roger Ebert yeah. was just foaming at the mouth about it you know this is just gross out and it's so over that which of course was selling the hell out of it to yeah. everybody my age but um um and so like in in slasher movies i think got like all the critics who had to go watch slasher movies to review mm-hmm. they got so pissed off at gore that anything that had and that but although this doesn't r- technically have gore in there's it, there's no blood in it yeah it's it's yeah it's like blood free comedy cronenberg body horror basically yeah. with with a little cthulhu thrown on top and mm-hmm. which is it's like what would have happened if instead of uh jeff goldblum in the fly 
they had cast, I don't know, Sinbad. <laughs> oh, I would watch that movie all day. <laughs> Admittedly, I think I would I would pay to see that. But... Oh my god. Thanks for that. I, I'm I'm immediately just picture Sinbad's face and then like yeah, going Brundlefly. <laughs> oh. It's not too late. <laughs> Hollywood call us. Sinbad's still around. I know that Hollywood yeah. likes to listen to Two True Freaks, so get on that, guys. Sinbad, Sinbad would do it. See, to me, one of the one of the reasons I wanted to, to discuss this film is this film fulfills one of the great rules of Grindhouse Cinema, which is it shows you something you've never seen before. <laughs> yes. The, the, the best grindhouse films try to convince you that you're going to see something like you've never seen before and this it literally I don't think if you weren't prepared for it I don't think you could have been prepared for what happens in the last half hour oh I would have loved to have been in an unsuspecting you know like matinee cinema that's yeah i got like i got i mean i i don't want to be greedy i've gotten my opportunities i i mm-hmm. i got to see uh, return of the living dead i mean i think it would have been similar to return of the living dead which i saw like a three o'clock matinee of yeah. Return of the living dead or a 130 matinee of it on a weekend and there were a lot of parents who dropped off their kids, you know, like mm-hmm. eight or ten year old kids or even a couple younger than that or even were sitting in the movie with them and just like, OK, well, you know, we had to take them to a movie and this looks like it's horror, but it looks like it's funny. So, OK. And, you know, and then you get to and the movie's going and going. It's like, OK. And then you then, then the over the top gore then whatever yeah. happens starts happening and people start shuffling out or <laughs> gasping or freaking out or kids start crying and stuff like that. I I'm imagine sure that, that had... it would be that that the experience of watching this for the first time without knowing anything would be kind of like what happened at the time I saw Saw on its opening day before anybody had knew what it was. And this is an old film. We're spoiling it. Deal with it. Um, when Jigsaw rises up from the floor at the very end of that film there was this collective intake of breath throughout the whole theater and i just can imagine when all the weirdness starts happening everybody just doing the same thing <gasps> it's wait he just put his hand in oh, wait oh. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah the um oh what movie did we just we just saw um sorry to bother you yeah uh, have you seen that yet? I've not seen it yet. Uh, well, I actually, but I should. I'm, it, it's pointless to even ask you because there's no way I'm spoiling that one because that one has a point, mm-hmm. and I hadn't been in a movie in a long time where it, it, you see, it, you could see and hear everybody in the theater. And this is a movie that was mm-hmm. getting pretty crazy from from after about ten minutes into it. It, it, it established that it was not going to be your normal movie. It's very much, it's actually, it even has a couple lines of dialogue that are like grabbed right out of Repo Man. It does, mm-hmm. it owes a lot to Repo Man in, in spirit. But about three quarters of the way through it, and me, Mr. Cynical, 
you, you can't get too weird for me. Yeah. You could see everybody looking at the person next to him and going, what? Wait, what? And then, <laughs> then once the, everybody noticed everybody else was going, what? You just heard that the, a collective like, really? What? 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 <laughs> what the hell is happening? What's happening? What's happening right now? And uh, those are those are my favorite moments. Of yeah, the, that that when something like that happens in a movie, all of a sudden that movie is when you're struck. unified with all these strangers in this yeah. moment of realization. Yeah, or that's so, what, see, that's why I like William Castle films so much mm-hmm. because William Castle recognized that movie going was a communal act. Mm-hmm. So all of it, we all talk, we talk about his gimmicks all the time. You know, the the buzzers under the seat and the punishment pole and all that. But they were all designed to bring the people in that audience together as a community. He yeah, included... they had something, the audience had something to do besides passively sit there and watch this movie. Right. And I can just imagine... it's hard for me to do so, but I can just imagine in 1989 this film unspooling and everybody's starting to undress for the, for the shunt. And you're like, what the hell? I, I can only think of one example in the last few, few years, although it's been quite a few years actually now, cause I'm old and it doesn't seem as, mm-hmm. as long ago as it actually was. But, and this is a strange example, but the jackass movies. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I thought too. Uh, and and I got dragged to the theater to see the first Jackass movie mm-hmm. in the theater. And it was one of the most hilarious and exhausting movie experiences I ever had. Because the whole audience was engaged with the movie and with each other through the whole thing. And I was going like, oh, okay. this is a, I have not seen a movie in a long time that was like, all right, we don't need a theme or anything. It was mm-hmm. just a series of things to show people that were so over the top entertaining that you're never gonna, you know, you're never asking for anything more. You're, you're, and and painful. You know, there was just the, I, I, in the Jackass movies, they would do horribly dangerous things and mm-hmm. painful Hardly, things. Yeah, and they were, you know, going going over the top because it was in the movies so you could really get mm-hmm. get crazy. We're talking about it. a film where somebody drinks horse semen people. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and But then the, the in the final act of the movie it might have been the first one or the second one because I was there in the seats for the second one yeah. too and it was similarly <laughs> as fun. But there's one of them where the the big scene at the end where is just them sitting around a table giving themselves paper cuts but mm-hmm. you know like in between their fingers and stuff like yeah. that which is it, it turns out is infinitely more painful <laughs> for people <laughs> to watch because everybody in the audience has given themselves has had a, a paper, paper cut, cut. Yeah. yeah and so when when they the the anticipate when somebody would be coming to their hand with their shaky hand and the piece of paper and like spreading their fingers and going like okay go 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 the audience would just be you know mm-hmm. there there with them and then but and it, it was the perfect example of like tension and release and when mm-hmm. that audience was released out into the world they were jabbering and they were full of endorphins and adrenaline and 
you know, it, and I was like, nobody thinks of movies as as a, a carnival attraction as much anymore. Right. And they really should, especially with our, the way our society is. You would think it would mm-hmm. be a natural. You would think sort of that would be almost for better or worse, what movies would be sort of converting to now is more of something of a shared experience since people, you can have a home theater in your house now right. affordably and, you know, or at least a big ass TV and you can at least get close enough to your TV so you can have the edges of your your vision mm-hmm. filled with, with the cinema screen and Dolby stereo and all that. So, movies are really if you want to go to the movies it seems like they would sell it on gimmicks and right. stuff that would be hinged on it being a communal experience and it's funny that we talk about like it's and it's funny that like humans would have a, you know general society communal experiences are like the 4th of July a football yeah. game this one is rich people absorbing poor Are people, we... <laughs> turning them inside out. And, oh, and, yeah. And what is, you know, I mean, they, they, they describe it as an orgy. Though when yeah. you hear the tape, you're like, oh, they have a big orgy. Yeah. But then you see it and you go like, oh. <laughs> and I just, don't think I'd want to be to this orgy. It, it, it just adds so much to it, though, because if you just saw it without them hearing that tape you would think okay they just sort of this is this is how they eat they're like amoebas but then Mm -hmm. when they add the sexual aspect of it it makes it 10 times worse it's genius the shunting the shunting judge likes the thrill of the hunt and the thrill (laughs) of the shunt which is that's beautiful script writing because you're just like the shunt which shunt is just such an obscene sounding word (laughs) yeah it sounds dirty it sounds gross it sounds messy it you know i mean they could have said the absorption which makes it sound like a bounty commercial or something but you know they could have there's there's a thousand more on the nose words that they could have come up with and but you know it sounds sexy yeah and they were smart enough to write this to where you know, I mean, there's they they create this world and you learn the rules of it, but they leave a lot of it up to the imagination. They don't they don't spell it out completely. You know, I mean, how much time do you have to put more stuff in this movie? But they leave a lot of they let you sort of see how the shunt works just visually and and put it together visually and let your imagination go on. You know how 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 they work and, and, and this film would not have worked without Scream Mad George doing the effects no yeah they, they were perfection perfection mm-hmm. I mean really I was expecting a movie built around the effects mm-hmm. and uh, and the fact that it isn't makes it puts it up on that next bumps it up a level or two yeah well I think like the last 15 minutes where we get you know like I said the you want a hand, Billy, and uh, the the Oedipal scene, as we'll we'll call it. That scene, though, I mean, that is, and that, and it's funny because I I, I saw that lacking the context of the movie the first time yeah. I saw it, 
So I, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that was his mother's head saying that, yeah. but it's like his sister's head coming mm-hmm. out of his mother's basically vajayjay. Yeah. Vajayjay region, and then you know, suggesting you know if it, if if he wanted to fulfill any Oedipal fa- fantasies. <laughs> you just you don't see that in a movie, and that's no. that's. You know, incest is usually in a movie. It's going to be. It, uh, oh, hey, we're going back to Polanski. It's going to end up yeah. being more like Chinatown or something like mm-hmm. that, and uh, and it's going to be more of a serious thing, or or maybe you know, maybe a red. You know, maybe in a jokey movie, you know, incest is going to be like used as stereotype redneck deliverance sort of mm-hmm. joke. You know, like you're like in vacation or something like that. But to just to show, you know, just and and basically the movie saying, oh yeah, rich people they just yeah they just have sex with whoever they they want to. That's the well, whole... it, it shows the, the 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 feeling of privilege that these things have. Yeah, and that's the that's where the great satire of the this comes in. And this this is something I'm pro- people are probably going to get bored of hearing me say on this show, but this show. <laughs> is perfect for this whole and of course all my theories that I have that I will present to people are all completely self-serving and show why you know it's good that I made the choice that I love to watch movies like society is that that when when you talk about culture pop culture and important movies and stuff like that and or, and movies with deep meaning or satire and stuff like that you know people automatically go to you know your art house film or your Oscar bait and stuff like that and I completely I not that I don't think those movies are great Uh and that you know they they they'll say something important but I always go back to I saw an interview with Pendulette and it was Mm -hmm. Pendulette quoting Teller basically right about movies and and it was one of those one of those little mind blowers where it was something that was sort of in the back of my head but I'd never really sort of put it together and formulated where he was like look movies are you know even at the longest you know mm-hmm. they're three you know you, you know three hours long unless it's a mutant there's right. only so much like if you're if you're gonna hit an important topic there's only so much if you're you're gonna go at it in the those two or three hours that you can do while having a story without making it like a lecture or something. Right. Whereas you know usually and usually those movies are based on a book that had five hundred to seven hundred pages mm-hmm. to to fill in the blanks and put in nuance and and really shade in this important topic. Whereas you have a ninety minute grindhouse movie. You 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 make your grindhouse movie and you throw that stuff in the subtext and stuff, mm-hmm. and you're you're getting that idea out to way more people in a way more entertaining way, and to me I think it's a, a, those kinds of movies have more to say about those deep topics in our culture than the you know the the ten Oscar winning right. movies, and society society has as much to say if not more and mm-hmm. and then say what people um 
think about eyes wide shut at the the, the yeah. end sequence of eyes wide shut, which I love. I love mm-hmm. I love rich people conspiracy movies, but oh boy, this just blows them all away <laughs> because it just doesn't care. It's and you know and okay, seeing seeing a movie about that would be a serious horror movie about rich people you know doing some horrible thing to poor people maybe like martyrs or something like right. that is is good but when it's entertaining it just goes in mm-hmm. and it goes into the mass culture consciousness yeah and, right and that's why to to this day i mean when when they live came out i went to see it with my girlfriend and we both were like came out of the movie going like that was a riot and mm-hmm. she was not a a genre movie fan. She wasn't even really a movie fan at all. She would just humor right. me to go to the movies. And then the next day she's like, can we go see that movie again? And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I'd love to go <laughs> see it again. And both times we went to see it, there were maybe like five other people in the theater with us. And mm-hmm. it was it was also in the cheap seat theater, and that's where it right. started. And and then it was gone. And then you would run into people and be like, oh, you ever, you know, I mean, John Carpenter fans liked it, but you would run into a person all that was like, oh, yeah, I remember when that movie came out. It was really good. But, you know, nobody really mm-hmm. critics did, didn't. I don't even remember if they liked it or hated it. It just sort of went under the radar. Nowadays, everybody's everybody knows the basic ideas of of they live and they right. use it in context it's it's always being used in context of modern politics or modern society mm-hmm. or something. Well look like at that. all the memes out there yeah. of people with the glasses right yes. now in this day and age. Yes, because it was such an effective way it's goofy as hell, but mm-hmm. it was such an effective way of communicating that and it was and it was you know, a matter of limitations that made them do that. The limitations of not having a huge budget for a movie and having to come up with a creative way to do it instead of having some big technical headset that you would have mm-hmm. to have, you know, fabricate its sunglasses. They right. have a box full of Ray-Bans and there's mm-hmm. there's your thing to do. And, and even the stupid um, prequel trilogies... Yeah, that people quote them <laughs> in political <laughs> context these days, because even not so much maybe as the people who saw it when they were older, but the people who saw it when they're younger, it it went into their subconscious more than if they got dragged to you know a classy classy courtroom drama that that covered the same. Or you know a, a serious movie about the rise of fascism in, in right. Germany at, at some point or something, you know the 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 goofy goofy lines between Anakin and Obi Wan at the end of Episode mm-hmm. Three and people are are using them and and almost everything Palpatine ever said and, and did. Well, we never I don't think any of us expected a, a president that would actually want to behave like a supervillain. No, not publicly anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm sure there were there were lots of I mean even when people were hating on Reagan, you know, it was always mm-hmm. that like it was that classic Saturday night live sketch where, you know, Reagan's a doddering old right. old grandpa doing witticisms and a little dotty for the cameras and then when everybody mm-hmm. uses like, "All right, you 
Alexander, hey, you get on this, you get on this. What's up? Mm-hmm. Take care of them, you know. But, yeah. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. But, I mean, I, I also want, I, I chose this deliberately after Diabolic because I thought but they both dealt with class in a different way, in different ways. Yeah, these first two and um, have been pretty, pretty subversive movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> As far as how they, how they portray the the power structure, uh, yeah, the the, the, the diabolic is, was just with his he just had complete hatred for it and general yeah. disregard for it, and a desire to tweak and destroy it. Where this one is just a portrayal of the the power structure as being, uh, you know, I'm I mean, being so alien as to just don't bother opposing it yes it you just almost can't it oppose it mm-hmm. it's all and 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 it's not you know there i i mean that's what's great about it is it it leaves it open so you think okay you know you could do it if you really wanted to go a little cronen more cronenbergian with it you could do a, a sequel where you could imply more of like, okay, so these they're the bad guys, but then you could imply that there's a symbiosis, mm-hmm. <laughs> and which make you know is nice dark satire of mm-hmm. where you know the two, hey, you know these two races have have coexisted forever, coexisted, and the and the, the rich are like, hey, we you know we if we would have let you guys be in charge, you know. <laughs> You have no idea. You think shunting is bad? You guys would be eating worms or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you know. There's so many directions you can go with it, but uh, I and I and I love it. And movies like that are awesome because, you know, I'm sure this movie burned up this either Cinemax and HBO at the time. You know, it mm-hmm. was a uh, was pro- probably going into a lot of 10 to 12 year old 10 to 14 year olds heads who were like ooh it's because that was the great thing about those times is HBO and Cinemax you got your HBO Cinemax yeah. guide not only did they tell you the movie was rated R but they told you mm-hmm. what it was rated R for, for so as right. soon as you saw nudity you were just like okay that one's on the list but then you got to wonder well okay the first half, the, the Devin DeVasquez nudity is okay, but do we really want to see the nudity in that last half? <laughs> right. Well, that's also <laughs> the great thing about it. It's just like you want nudity. Here you go. Minded <laughs> of when? Remember when Candyman came out back in the nineties? Yes. I was really in love with Virginia Madsen. I thought she was like one of the hottest women ever. And my editor at Fangoria said, there's a nude scene, but you're not going to want to see it. <laughs> and sure enough, there was a nude scene, and I didn't th- it, it didn't make me feel very good. Instantly, when someone says there's a nude scene and you're not going to want to see it, though, that yeah. sets it in stone that you're going to see that nude scene, that you have yeah. to see that nude scene. I got to meet Tony Todd once, randomly. <laughs> who was doing a play here in in Rochester and mm-hmm. during our during when we had the uh jazz festival and I was working at a bar and one of my coworkers had run into him at somewhere maybe he'd come into our bar even and sort of befriended him and we were out on, yeah. out in the street working and goes there hey there's Tony Todd and he's like this is a guy I told you you should go on his podcast 
And when I shook hands with Tony Todd, yeah, it was like my hand was like a baby hand. <laughs> that guy was just enormous, and then I, uh, you know, instantly I was just like, I see why you were the candy man. <laughs> And uh, yeah, my hand just disappeared into his hand, and he was a, he was a really nice guy. Kind of the the opposite of that. Yes, <laughs> was my encounter with Lance Hendrickson. Oh, who was, he a, little was guy? a great guy? No, he he he's a small guy. That's what and I see, That's what I'm more used to when you meet celebrities. Yeah, is they're almost always smaller than you would picture. I used to have a picture that that we took together. Because what had happened is that he was a guest at one of the Fangoria cons, and you know when I was working for Fangoria, you were required to go. And I was backstage, and he was hanging out with like playing cards or something. And I just stopped and I said, told him what a fan I was, and he took a picture with me. And I used to have this picture, and I tower over the man. And it's so weird because I I it perceived him as being a larger person. Sometimes you see a famous person, and you think to yourself. Maybe they're famous because they're so tiny, you know, Napoleon style. That's what we mm-hmm. um John Cougar Mellencamp made a serial killer movie in, yeah. in our town once. And uh, mm-hmm. it was a big news. Uh, you know, John Cougar Mellencamp's in town. They rented this and they rented out this house down the street from the taco stand <laughs> that I worked. And, mm-hmm. uh, I li- and, I, and it was literally right in between my walk from my house to work. And I saw them and, you know, I heard John Cougar Mellencamp's movies coming to town. And then I basically saw I, I recognized the film equipment getting loaded into the house, mm-hmm. went to work and said, I think I know where they're filming part of the movie. Mm-hmm. So they gave me a bunch of menus and I went and I just walked into the house and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a film student myself. I noticed you guys are filming the movie. I'm not going to tell anybody you guys are here. But we got a taco place down the right down the street and handed out menus and yeah, sure enough, within two or three days, in walks John Cougar Mellencamp <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I see why he was driven to be. He he was it was just sort of like this this mini guy who wanted to be Bruce Springsteen but had to try like twice right. as hard to. <laughs> to get people's attention. He was a very nice guy, but right. it was just like, wow, he's tiny. <laughs> oh, You're so twee. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're digging some ditches for this production. <laughs> and I wonder if sometimes if you cast a tiny lead, if that, that affects the rest of the casting, so they're just like, okay, we gotta get people in proportion with this guy. Well, I can tell you that it definitely, uh, in the case of Doctor Who, uh, influenced mm-hmm. the design of the Daleks for the new series. Oh. Because when they decided to bring the Daleks back for the new series, they wanted to make them eye-level with Billy uh, Piper, so they're relatively squat. Flash forward six years, and it's you know it's now um, Matt Smith and uh, the lovely Karen Gillan, and Karen Gillan is six feet tall. Right, right. So they had to redesign. That's why they had that uh. one episode where they redesigned all the the Daleks, so that that it could be level with her. See, they should have they should have thought ahead, and ju- they know in Doctor Who the Doctor is going to yeah. change. They should have just made him with a little crank in there that, that you know, like a 
Or like uh, when you would put another uh, a little winch on the side. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Or 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 you just lift them lift up a middle section like a, yeah. Um, a, you know, a nesting doll, and add another. What do they call it with tables? Another leaf to the dock. Yeah. You know to. <laughs> We're having number eleven over. It's time to get the leaves out. But you know, with the with the way fans are, it would that mm-hmm. would you know there would be people automatically just like I've overlaid the last Daleks and determined <laughs> it would it would be like the Paula's Dead web website. Yeah, just a whole other rabbit hole. Yes. Next thing you know, we'll be looking at dog police. <laughs> dog police, where are you coming from? Dog police. Now, I, 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 as soon as I saw, I, I read that column of about the dog police video too, and yeah. I went to see it. I've never seen that video before, although I'm very surprised I never saw it on USA Night Flight because yeah. that video was made for USA Night Flight. Well, it actually aired on USA Night Flight. Did it? Did it? I'm surprised. I'm, I, I, I'm doing some research because that's this week's edition of uh, Raiders of the Lost Record Crate. So I was doing some research to try to find out who these guys were. And it turns out that there is a night flight has its own website now. Yes. Where you can go and see old episodes. And they presented the episode where they showed the dog police. Along with an article about the background of of these guys from Memphis. As as soon as I heard it, I realized, okay, I've heard this song before, but I heard it on Doctor Demento. Demento he used right. to play it fairly fairly regularly. But also, the thing about Night Flight is, Night Flight was sort of in two segments. It depended on how tired I was on the weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, sometimes I would watch Night Flight all the way. Th- I would just stay up and watch the whole thing. But there were right. other times when, and. Um, because you know, there was the there was the two hours that was all like the music videos and the mm-hmm. sitcoms from England and the weird short films, and then there was the two hours uh, that was usually done with a movie. Right, right. And uh, I would often end up falling asleep, you know, mm-hmm. in, at night flight, and because did, didn't it start at like one o'clock or something or <sighs> something like that? And and I would I would fall asleep halfway through it and then wake up. And uh, uh, on the weekends, my parents were divorced, and I'd stay with my mom. Mm-hmm. And I would be in the in in this room in the basement where it had a a folder bed and a TV at the end of it. So I would be like mm-hmm. laying in bed watching Night Flight, and then I would wake up two hours later, going, "What the hell is going? On? <laughs> I have no idea what's going on right now." <laughs> and then now you... I didn't have cable when I was younger. So in fact, the only access I had to cable was when I was at college, when I was in college. And what I had to make do with was things like U68, which was a Newark, a Newark television station that was originally Wometco Home Theater. I don't know if you're that was like kind of like the cable alternative right, from right. the late 70s, Wometco Home Theater, where they had a UHF station and they would scramble movies during the during the day. They'd have it on for a couple of hours in the afternoon, and then the rest of it would just be scrambled movies. Um, or there was a show that used to be on Channel 9, WOR, and I wish I could remember its name, because I 
vividly remember one of the first videos they ever showed, which is called Big Electric Cat. Big Electric Cat? Big Electric Cat. And it is literally just this kind of monotonous bass line and somebody going, Big Electric Cat, Big Electric Cat, Big Electric Cat. Those were the songs that used to drive Frank Zappa crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, getting back to society, this is a show about society, remember? <laughs> um, it's, it's funny how, well, I, I know why this film fell through the cracks. Because of that four-year gap and its limited release here in the states and then it only had like a vhs through republic pictures it kind of missed its moment yeah yeah um i mean it's starting to get some notoriety again because it's been recently re-released by i think it's it's i'm not sure who i know anchor bay did a release in the uh the aughts but um it's definitely if you're interested in kind of like 80s horror or you're interested in that sort of weird aesthetic from the late 80s that that was coming from 90210 and Melrose Place and all those shows you really should take a look at this film because it is just well then it has the extra layer that that I love, which is bizarre conspiracy cult yeah. attached to it, which has always been one of my favorite things. Even, even when a little, when I was a little kid, that I when I couldn't watch stuff like that, stuff like mm-hmm. uh, Race with the Devil and stuff yeah. like that. Always, I'd see the ads for them, and it always had that extra, uh, you know, sense of interest to me. And, and this one has all of that. And I never was a big fan. I, I have a lot of friends my age mm-hmm. who are huge fans of the 90210 aesthetic. I have way too many male adult friends when 90210 was out that watched it religiously. And maybe still... I was an unashamed placemat. That's what they called you back then if you were into Melrose Place. Oh, uh, okay. You see, you were I, a place I keep mat. thinking I was. I, I missed. Because I would. I just totally wrote them off as something mm-hmm. that was not worthy oh. of watching and and I keep getting the feeling that I missed out on something. <laughs> Don't let, let me let me disavow you of that of that thought. Melrose Place was gloriously stupid. Right, right. And same with 90210. Yeah, it was a gloriously stupid. It was a rock I, I think there's a space in all of our hearts for one really rock stupid piece of media that's really really dumb but you can't stay mad at it it's like a like a little puppy like baywatch or like baywatch baywatch might be is a lot of people's rock stupid show for me it was melrose place until that went off the air then for a while it was smash the the weird steven spielberg produced two season soap opera about the making of a broadway musical with uh Catherine mcphee that and i'm still totally i totally oh, missed that i never heard oh. of that this film, this this TV series is absolutely rocks, and I love it. It, it made me a uh, Catherine McPhee fan for life. She is so lovely, but it is such a stupid show. 
was really, really bad. And the only reason it got two seasons was because they were selling the sound. Nobody was watching the show, but they were selling the soundtrack. Uh... People were buying the soundtrack of the, uh, you know, were buying the the songs the day a- after it aired, but nobody was watching the show. So the show had like almost no ratings, but because the music was getting out there and they were making money off the music, they decided to keep it around for an extra season. But yeah, I think that, that that's 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 what it was for, for me. Was Melrose Place was an incredibly rock stupid show. It was totally and absolutely unironic in its idiocy, and it had some really really hot women on it. That you sound like my friend Ken Moore, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and I think maybe it was because during that time period that's when I stopped like watching TV like. Yeah. Turning on TV and saying like, okay, every once in a while I would catch something because we would have TVs in the house hooked up to cable and stuff, mm. but I would find out about something like the last thing I remember actually like tuning in to TV before I got to just sort of consuming stuff with the internet mm-hmm. was um, the last John Chris Felucci cartoon, the right. uh, um Ripping Friends. Right. I would get up every Saturday morning at, at nine thirty to watch Ripping Friends because I I found out it was happening, and was just like I can't believe they've let Chris Felucci make more cartoons that air during times when children will watch them. Right. And I would, I would get my ass up in the morning, to sit there because I knew my jaw was gonna drop and go like, mm-hmm. oh my god, this is this is one of those rare things that exists. <laughs> that shouldn't exist <laughs> that I'm going to enjoy while I, while I can and that was well, that's, many that's how years I ago. felt about that's how I felt most recently about Hannibal mm. which is equally the most beautiful and the most fucked up thing I've ever seen on broadcast network television where, where you're just like I watched mo- like a good chunk of the first season of that yeah and I think basically from what everybody tells me just before it got because I really enjoyed it, but I mm-hmm. guess it gets really good after yeah. like the first season. It really starts mm-hmm. notching up, and uh, yeah, it's yeah one of those miracle things. Uh, I mean, that's that um, that that that's right. That was like cable TV shown, and yeah. Uh, um, I, I guess mean, the, well, the I guess stars is too, because I was I was the same way about I was downloading them, but you know, Ash mm-hmm. versus Evil Dead, right? Was, but Ash versus Evil Dead is a cable was a cable show, so it could be as over the top and goofy and crazy as it wanted to be. And and I was watching it, going, I can't believe that I've <laughs> actually got more Evil Dead, and not only does it not suck, it's kind of uh, kind of going, it's kind of topping the stuff that it's topping the the gore mm-hmm. and craziness of Evil Dead 2 and it's also mm-hmm. you know topping the the comedy of um of um Army of Darkness. Right. So I was you know every week it was just like oh my god this this should this shouldn't exist. <laughs> you know it it almost felt like taking it into you know Climbing into a little room, turning all the lights off, and watching yeah. it, making sure nobody knows it, that it's going on. It's always so that kind of like illicit it. thrill, like you're doing something wrong. Yeah. The, the, something how like did they this. let this get made? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 put out. It's it's 
and that's that's something that I don't you know I don't experience that feeling in the movies because movies have you know I mean back in the 60s and 70s well now they they're, they're what showing... they call four walling it in that they, they want the films to appeal to everybody mm-hmm. so it's the great thing about Seth about Sarah that we're that we're looking at in the in the grindhouse cinema era is that people were challenging the the viewers and were sometimes they were just challenges to get a, a a rise out of you but sometimes like with society bringing us back to the subject of the show <laughs> um they are cha- i think yuzna is challenging us to make us question our own relationship to the society around us yeah because aren't we all getting shunted every day yeah oh oh <laughs> and we are. I'm not gonna go. Yeah, I'm not gonna go. <laughs> and and depending on who you are, you know, it's it's more and more visceral. You know, that's what I love about this movie is they, you know, th- this turns what basically our society is into the most visceral, explicit, mm-hmm. over the top terms. It's not subtle at all. As oh, th- they eat you. And they enjoy it, and then they turn you inside out when you're done, and it'll just sort of flap <laughs> you around, and and then yeah. they walk away from it laughing, you know. There's yeah, it's there's there's no black and white in it, and I, I love it. I love it. That's the way you. That's the way you communicate that stuff. And uh, if this movie had come out a few years earlier, when its style was more in sync with movies at that time, mm-hmm. instead of you know when the the age of like Tarantino movies began it probably would have made a lot more impact as it as it is mm-hmm. it's just going to take longer for it to get to to right. they live status if it hasn't already sort of it, it hasn't already cuz i don't see yeah. society memes out there and they should have mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i mean there should be a meme of the judge just walking out of that pile of flesh and, yeah. and putting his cigar back in his mouth and sort of shaking the slime off his hands. yeah <laughs> i want to briefly bring up two of the taglines cuz they 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 tried several different advertising campaigns and two of the taglines were, you are what they eat. I like that. And if you don't belong, they'll eat you alive. That one I don't like as much. Okay. It, it doesn't, it's, I mean, it fits and it's yeah. good, but the first one's definitely like, it's a tag tagline, you know, it's, yeah. it's short and it's simple and it's got a little bit of a joke to it. The, the, the second one's a little on the nose. Okay. But so, what would you give society? Oh, this is this is a strong like eight point five out of ten to me, or you know three and a <laughs> half stars area. It it succeeds a hundred percent with what it wants to do, mm-hmm. and uh, and the the you know the che- the cheesiness and the datedness work for, for it. They, mm-hmm. I mean, it worked as I mean maybe specifically for me, it was better because. I was I was seeing like I was seeing a classic this movie should be already ingrained in my head you know right. as I was watching it I guess that's part of why we're having this experiment right but uh um as as I watched it it was like watching something that 
that you know I was a lost masterpiece that I had not seen before this if I would have seen this in the theater I would have been telling all my friends I would have been dragging him out the next day to go see it and then sit. I think that's another reason why it, it kind of has disappeared from the consciousness is that it was released at a time when we were transitioning our viewing habits mm-hmm. from the move from the movie theater to the home. Even and so, so, even so, at the home, I would have I would have rented this VHS and been like, yeah. "All right, everybody, we're watching Society tonight." Oh, what is yeah. what is that? Don't worry, we're watching Society tonight. And then, like, through the first twenty minutes, they're gonna go and like, "Oh, what the fuck is this, man? Just this... wait, just wait." <laughs> I've had so many experiences like that, and this would have been this would have been one of them. I would have made everybody watch this, and then I would have been sitting there in a chair just like watching their faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, because like I said, I mean, it fell through the cracks. Uh, it wasn't released except as a midnight movie, and then it had just that one video release, and, and then it was gone for for set for a long time until Anchor Bay picked it up in the, the aughts, and now it's uh, like I said, another. I think it's Scream Factory. I think they have it. We may actually. I should probably look that up, shouldn't I? As as far as for like re-release film companies to to mm-hmm. pick up a movie, this one is like seems like certified gold. As far as um, there there's got to be a demand for this. If you know, I mean, mm-hmm. um, um, I, I I'm part of a Facebook group that that talks about lot, lots of grindhouse and genre movies, and you know the 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 obscure stuff that they that, that that they admit is not even that good or even that enjoyable to them the amount of of vigor and anticipation in the re-releases and restorations of those movies to mm-hmm. them is huge that something like society would have those guys automatically and a whole other audience of people who are not quite as cine- cinephile you know because You're this right. is a this one is it, it it's not boring. It's not. No, it's, it's not. It's not all sizzle and no steak. It's sizzle and steak from from beginning to end. And mm-hmm. anybody who likes genre movies has you know got to be happy with this movie. Even you know, on its own, even someone who doesn't could be happy with this movie. But relative yeah. to other stuff, it's cream of the crop. Cream so of the that's slimy, it. fleshy crop. Fleshy crop with the. Yeah, come this, for the this is teen angst. to the top of my bo- body horror movies. <laughs> come for the teen angst. Stay for the shunting. <laughs> I'm all about the body horror. So, as, oh. and as I age, it becomes even more so. <laughs> you know, I'm <clears throat> I'm at the age where, you know. You know the 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 fly used to be body horror for me. Yeah. And now my toenails are starting to go in that direction. So <laughs> when things just start, you're like, that wasn't there before, <laughs> right? I'm Brundle Fly. <laughs> <laughs> so it just makes me think, what's next? What could possibly be next? I I, well, I know what's next for you. I know. So are you ready for the next uh, 
the next phase? I guess I am. Yeah, after these last okay. two, I definitely am. Okay, you're you're a lot less scared now than no, you should. No, I'm I'm starting stay. to get I'm starting maybe to get a little overconfident. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Virginia, I'm get me the this. cattle prod, okay? <laughs> Just in case he gets too <laughs> overconfident. Um, your assignment for phase three. We're going back to 1977. Ooh. 1975. We're going to one of my favorite types of exploitation films, the black exploitation film. Ooh. And the little classic, and I use this unironically. Use that phrase without a hint of being sarcastic. The great classic Rudy Ray Moore. Oh. Kung Fu actioner complete with comedy routines. Dolomite. Oh, okay. I'm very happy with this this choice. <laughs> I'm re- my body is ready for dolomite. So it's so, so when, when next I summon you, we will be talking about the man who puts the elephants in the trees and the ants make wear VVDs. Now go. <laughs> If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2 True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, 
and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards. <laughs>